0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very senior and respected tech entrepreneur from San Francisco, USA, Mr. Piyush Malik. Piyush, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Ashutosh. Great to be here. I have just learned about your uh, immense background and uh, the progress that you've made in the last four and a half years. So kudos first of all to you on bringing this show to
0: the wider audiences. So Thank I look you. forward to this conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, Piyush is a, the Chief a chief Digital and Transformation Officer with Veridic Solutions. He's a startup and executive, an entrepreneur, a board advisor, a thoughts thoughts thought leader, a speaker and a business technology transformation leader and an angel investor in the domain of emerging technologies. Given his amazing background, he's obviously been recognized and felicitated several times. So, Piyush, before we talk technology, tell me about your own amazing journey in brief. All right. I was born in in New Delhi um, many,
1: many decades ago. Um, And uh, after my engineering education over there, I Went on a nomadic spree. Uh, my first job was in Gandhinagar, Gujarat. Mm-hmm. I was 1.0 uh, was a telecom engineer. Okay, and uh, that uh, um, after two years, I pivoted into software engineering. And uh, after four more years of that, I pivoted into management uh, through my MBA education. And uh, one thing led to another. I had didn't have to look for a job. Uh, except the first time um, during my college campus interviews. And um, that too, time too, uh, I had few offers, but I'm, I'm glad I chose what I chose and mm-hmm. had to uh, take this journey. So fast forward a um, few decades. And then uh, I would say after seven years working in India, I got an opportunity. I used to get an opportunity to uh, go to the US all the time. And I would say, hey, I never want to leave India. Mm-hmm. That was the plank on which I was um, brought up. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, in fact, that, that's how me and my wife met and um, agreed to marry as well, because neither she nor I wanted to leave India. But somehow mm-hmm. one year after marriage, uh, an opportunity arose and uh, for a two month assignment. So I came here on a two month assignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been
0: 27 years now. Amazing amazing and as this is the rest is history
1: well history is yet to be created because i am <laughs> still learning sure. i am still growing i am um, i'm somebody who looks forward to every day to do something different
0: learn something new and hopefully give back to the world along the way as well amazing so let's talk now about uh, a little bit about veridic and technology as a chief digital and transformation officer at veridic what are some of the key challenges in driving digital information in today's business landscape? So essentially, we um, I, I've always been in the services industry with
1: um, first with PW, PwC, and then IBM uh, combined uh, 20 plus years. And then when I pivoted into uh, the world of uh, uh, digital transformation, uh, it was in the time that I wanted to do a startup. And uh, I failed uh, at doing that startup. After six months um, of trying to raise funds, I actually was recruited by the same VC into another firm of his where he had invested. So uh, the the, the thing was that if I take that on and uh, get them to a logical conclusion, an exit, uh, then I would have funds for my own uh, startup. Mm-hmm. So with that premise, I said, okay, it'll take about 18 months. And then it took me five and a half years before exiting. Mm-hmm. And uh, long story short, along the way, I have uh, dealt with um, a lot of clients around the world mm-hmm. dealing with digital transformation. And so on that plank, when the opportunity came along with Veredick, mm-hmm. they were doing traditional cloud-based business and I want to do build a product and I also am client facing and I like to serve clients so um, I was given charge of uh, the digital business unit go start and uh, whatever uh, it means so what that means is while internally I'm transforming the company Mm -hmm. uh, externally I'm helping other clients transform their businesses given the market conditions given Mm -hmm. that technical innovations happening. So so it's a a combination of a lot of things. So I would say, I see myself as a transformation agent and a catalyst for clients to embed technology in their operations. And again, it's not any technology.
0: I focus on data-driven technologies and applied AI. Fascinating. And since you focus a lot on emerging technology, Piyush, my question is, what role does emerging technology play in shaping the future of business, uh, so emerging technologies um, in in
1: in business. So um, so I would say businesses are always dependent on what's happening in the market, what their end customers are desiring. So I would say um, uh, the businesses, uh, business and technology are interdependent, mm. and innovations in both technology and uh, business models they create offerings that shape the future for example hmm. uh, i, I want to give you an example um, so so you are old enough to uh, know when the computers originally came there was yeah, a so mainframe and then um, and there was cobol and fortran <laughs> yeah some of those <laughs> that excuse me uh, kids of today haven't even uh, heard of, yeah. but I'm glad I'm talking to a compatriot uh, who has seen these things. So in those times, if if you look from at that time, the there was a huge cost of licensing an operating system. Correct. So there were proprietary operating systems and I, I grew up on VAX v, VMS um, systems mm-hmm. uh, by digital and then Unix came along, Unix disrupted uh, that market. And then there were various flavors of Unix, Berkeley, U.S., um, uh, Berkeley Distribution, and then um, at t had one, uh, IBM had one, AIX, and then Solaris from Sun. Mm. So all of these were uh, having that uh, market um, fight. Right. And all along that uh, came the open source movement with Linux. And it was that time, if Linux hadn't come, mm. this open source movement wouldn't um be what it is today and linux led to commoditization of data centers yeah. that we see in today's cloud world mm. and we also look at the mobile revolution through linux because android mm. which is the largest operating system for uh, handle mobile devices mm. it's, it's a, a, a derivative of a kernel from um, linux okay. so 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 you see how these are interrelated so the foundation uh, of of all these things um And and open source movement lowered the cost of computing, Mm. and lowered the cost of doing business. And Mm. as a result, entrepreneurship flourishes, businesses look at more and
0: more innovations, Mm. and ultimately, it's the benefit to the end consumers like you and me. Mm. Fascinating. And, you know, since you are in this business, and you've just spoken about innovation, my next logical question to you, Piyush, is that how can businesses balance the need for innovation with concerns about data security and privacy? Data security and privacy are very important. And
1: again, uh, one of my roles at PwC was leading the uh, data quality and governance practice worldwide. Mm. So we used to have a framework in which governance uh, um, included quality, privacy, and security. So what we today talk about is privacy by design, mm-hmm. you have to design whatever systems you are building. Mm-hmm. By default, privacy has to be kept in mind, mm-hmm. security is paramount, because you know, uh, you know, everything is getting digital, all your bank records are digital, uh, you, you know, health records are digital, and, and we need to protect all of that. So mm-hmm. while innovation demands that, you know, we make a rapid progress, but the moment you slip on any of these privacy and uh, security aspects, it can literally shatter the trust of the consumer, of the end user of the product. So uh, all my, my whatever companies that I advise, the startup uh, I'm involved with, I always say never, never relax on the privacy and security aspects of it. And being small uh, startups, You can always innovate. And the same message goes to even uh, bigger, larger enterprises. The only uh, problem is those incumbents have to dovetail back into their legacy um, uh, software that they have or the legacy systems that they have. But at the same time, uh, I'm seeing, uh, you know, privacy and security being the bedrock of all um, big companies as well.
0: Very interesting. Thank you for sharing this. Uh, My next question is that, you know, again, I'm going to stay with emerging technologies, artificial intelligence, (laughs) machine learning, you know, um, these are what I would still call emerging technologies. So, Piyush, how do you see the role of AI evolving in businesses and industries in the coming years? So, I'll have to give you a full story. I mean, and I do talk
1: talk about AI, I have been talking about AI for the last, uh, I would say 15 years, Mm -hmm. even though seems like uh, Chat GPT just brought the AI revolution uh, about a year back. Mm. But I have been in the data and applied AI field for quite some time, 30 years. Mm. And uh, AI actually, uh, you know, very first time was in 1956 that the term was coined. And, um, you know, from those days to um, today, there have been many AI winters and many Mm. many AI springs. Mm. Uh, Springs are when there's a renewed hope and a lot of investment goes in like mm. today, right? So we are at the cusp of a very explosive and in- interesting period mm. that I think that is branded as AI, people are willing to invest money in it. It was not always so. And there were people who were uh, you know, graduating, doing, completing their PhD during the time of AI winter, and they had to literally wait to even get a job. And today... If Mm -hmm. somebody speaks Python and uh, has done some machine learning courses, they are easily able to get an um, AI Mm -hmm. engineer's job. Uh, Coming back to the corporate world where I cut my teeth in IBM, uh, back have you heard of the system called IBM Watson?
0: Mm -hmm. It
1: it came uh, uh, in 2011, February. I clearly remember there was a game of Jeopardy that... um, that computer won, And it was for a reason that companies, uh, big companies use uh, game shows as a way of, uh, you know, capturing people's imagination. And Mm. at that time, we used to not call it AI, we used to Mm. call it cognitive computing. And it was nothing but a natural language processing um, in in a in a specialized use case of Mm. answering a question, right. Mm. So that was a demonstration, so to say, but it still took two years before the commercial entity, the Watson group was uh, carved out uh, of of IBM research and IBM software, and Mm. it was became a separate business unit. I was there, I know inside, I had incubated team of PhDs in my Mm. team, and Mm. I had been evangelizing, and I was speaking at uh, the entrepreneurship conferences and engineering conferences all around during that period. Mm. And uh, recently, Somebody invited me to speak at a AI conference, and uh, I was researching for that and found something. And back in 2014 and 15, I had given a talk if um, uh, the rise of machines and the role of AI. Mm. And uh, I, I ended the conversation and that 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 thing in by saying, "If machines do all the work, what mm. will the humans do?" Right. And I still ask the same question, mm. but there's been a difference of uh, you know sky. Uh, night and day today uh, from the technology where it was to now the rapid pace at which the AI technologies are innovating. Correct. The um, democratization of AI is what uh, OpenAI has done and Mm -hmm. now there are so many large language models being developed and so many uh, innovations happening on a daily basis. It's hard to keep up but this is a time to actually embrace it and mm. not be afraid of it. Mm. A lot of in my circuit always say that, hey, AI is going to take our jobs and we are going to be afraid of it. Mm. Think about it. I always give them an example. If you were uh, to oppose, well, you wouldn't have the books uh, that you read today if the, right. uh, the Gutenberg press when it came back and during the industrial first industrial revolution. Likewise, mm. when the cars were being uh, made, the very first car was the replacement of a, a horse carriage, Correct. right? So technology, innovation, and humanity progress together. And mm-hmm. we are in for a very big
0: treat with adoption of Absolutely. AI. Well said, well, great response. Thank you. My next question, Puch is yeah. that with all this AI and all the emerging technologies, are there any ethical considerations that need to be kept at the back of one's mind? absolutely absolutely i always say
1: an ai model built on um, faulty data will give you faulty responses right and, uh, an ai yeah. model trained on stolen data by unethical means um, by not paying royalties to the artists hmm. uh, by uh, you know that's that's not the world that we want to Correct. leave for our kids So there are ethical concerns in Mm -hmm. that. And there are, you know, guardrails being put together. I mean, you know, know. initial exploration and innovation aside, as we are personally, as well as companies, as we are learning how to integrate these technologies within our enterprise, Mm -hmm. we are learning how to do the things in a proper manner. Mm -hmm. And so Uh, as part of the AI ethics board and as part of a responsible uh, tech innovation um, uh, subgroup, uh, we always advocate for using legitimate means to train uh, our uh, data models Mm -hmm. and uh, these machine learning models, AI models, as they will evolve, I think uh, uh, the governments will step in as well and Mm -hmm. uh, the governments will uh, ensure that there is, um, you know, adequate um, measures taken so that we are not infringing on um, people's rights
0: hmm. very interesting so time for a few more questions my next question to you is that based on all the knowledge that you have what are some of the most exciting developments you are seeing at the intersection of technology and society
1: yeah so uh one of the biggest concerns that i have is uh, on the cybersecurity side more hmm. uh, so because the way i am seeing uh, technological evolution of uh, certain technologies which are not going in a linear way but in exponential way hmm. what that means is the the rapid pace of adoption as well as rapid pace of innovation in things like quantum computing hmm. they, that that will literally obviate uh, make make today's uh, cyber uh, security software totally obsolete in a five to six years time mm-hmm. so so and we have to learn to stay a step ahead mm-hmm. of the bad elements out there yeah so so from that perspective I would say uh, while I'm excited about uh, quantum computing I'm excited about the proliferation of uh, uh, free energy the solar energy and mm-hmm. Uh, personalized medicine and uh, having uh, you know computing done by just thoughts as opposed mm-hmm. to using any interface and and there are research uh, happening in that field mm-hmm. uh, but, but it's, it's an exciting exciting time to be alive and be in the tech industry mm-hmm. uh, but as much as i'm excited uh, there are some concerns as well as i mentioned uh, so mm-hmm.
0: so we have to go and balance it all together very well said uh, I have time for two more questions. My next question is that what in your view uh, are some of the challenges that you see because of all these new emerging technologies? Uh, So
1: one thing is how our society is not able to balance between the soft skills and the hard skills. Um, for example, our kids were born with these devices in their yeah. hands. So they spend a lot more time uh, inside, you know, looking at those than spending time um, playing games outside or doing physical activities yep. outside. And so, so it, there's a direct correlation on human health mm. uh, and and not only physical human health, but also mental health. And to me, that's a lot bigger problem, because, as I said, in a previous uh, response earlier, if the machines start doing everything, what will the humans do? So the humans Mm. need to have some higher purpose in life. They need to have something tangible, and something meaningful to them, Mm. so that they are stress free. And so the society can become violence free, Mm. and we all can be happy and peaceful.
0: Mm. Great response. Thank you. And my last question to you, Piyush, and I'm now going to ask you to wear your hat as a a board advisor, as a thought leader. A lot of of startup entrepreneurs will listen to our conversation and a lot of corporate leaders will listen to our conversation. So my question to you is, what advice do you have for businesses looking to leverage the power of digital innovation in their operations for startup entrepreneurs and corporate leaders?
1: So, um, it's a very, very good question actually uh, that's perhaps the toughest thing so uh, you know the the what they need to look for is use technology just not for the sake of technology but yeah. to fill a need to fill a um uh, an unmet need mm. and as as I advise a bunch of the startup founders that I meet, yeah on a regular basis mm. i tell them you should look at your portfolio of the features that you are trying to put in your product and ask the question to your team are you building a vitamin or mm. are you building a painkiller mm. because it's the painkiller that will stick and that will find product market fit mm. as opposed to a feature bell and uh, bells and whistles mm. uh, that can you know come later mm. so um, so whatever you do uh, you got to transcend the silos within the enterprise. Whatever you are building, mm-hmm. it should be able to transcend silos. It should be um, such that it is uh, it is it is taking the organization to the next higher level. Mm-hmm. And again, with the object, corporate objective is always benefiting the stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And I would say, that apart from the shareholders and the investors. Stakeholders are employees as well. Hmm. And we have to build a, a corporate social responsibility aspect as well. And I tell that to even not only the corporate world where I come from, and I've seen good examples of CSR. I tell each of my uh, founding you know, founders uh, peers here out here, let's build a society where we look out for our employees and for the environment at the same time. Um, while profit is important, let not that be at the cost of mm. hurting our environment. And sustainability is always at the top of my mind.
0: Absolutely. Well said. And on that note, uh, Piyush, uh, and your wonderful piece of advice to use technology to fill an unmet need. And I love your example of a vitamin versus a painkiller. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your own amazing journey. Thank you for talking to me about so many different aspects of emerging technologies. I think I learned many new things from you today. Thank you for speaking to me and good luck.
1: Ashitosh, it was great
0: um, meeting you
1: and wonderful meeting all of you. In the tradition of Indianness, I would say namaste from my soul to yours. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom